Now, I don't know how you're finding this back home. I think it would be true to say that here we're finding this rather strange experience. A few of us sitting here in a rather empty building. Last Sunday, well, we weren't packed full, but there were quite a lot of people here meeting at Hollywell. And then children, you went to school the next day. And some of you even came on a school trip here on Monday. It's, it's almost unbelievable how quickly things have changed. Two weeks ago, would you ever have expected to go to the shops and find the shelves bare? We are hit by uncertainty and instability, uh, such that most of us have never experienced before. And in that, to stop and to think about Jesus isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. We need certainty and stability, and he gives it. Uh, we need our minds not to be taken up with coronavirus, but to be taken up with him. So I want us to hear from one of the great verses of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Even though the verse is so short and easy to remember, would you please turn to Hebrews chapter 13? Because we're going to look in various parts of the letter and you'll find it very helpful if you can turn to those other verses. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, we need to spend some time, first of all, getting this verse right, because we could launch into just some nice thoughts about Jesus. He's unchanging in his love. He loved us in the past and died for us. He loves us now and cares for us. And he'll love us when he returns to be with him. And that helpful to think about and that would be true and we ought to remember that but if we're going to hear God more clearly we need to listen to what he's actually saying here in Hebrews and what did he mean when he put this verse in this book how does it fit with what's going on in this book of Hebrews and as we hear this verse about Jesus Christ never changing we need to bear in mind the son of God has changed. Now, it sounds to you like I'm contradicting the verse. I'm not. The son of God has changed. Obviously so. Children, can you think of how the son of God has changed? There's an obvious big answer. He became a human. He once wasn't human, but he then became human. First a baby, then a child, then a man. And then he changed again when he returned to heaven. He's still a human. He's never going to change out of being a human. But he's no longer that weak, poor looking human. He's now on the throne next to the father ruling the universe. So the son of God has changed. But it's interesting. Our verse doesn't say the son of God. It says Jesus Christ. He's now become Jesus Christ and he now doesn't change. In what ways doesn't he change? Well, to help me get what the verse is meaning, I read quickly through the whole of Hebrews. It doesn't take long to read quickly through all of it. And for each chapter, I wrote down just a few words of what does it say about Jesus? Just a few words for each chapter. What does this chapter tell us about Jesus? I'd recommend you do that. It's quite easy and quite instructive. Maybe later today you could have a skim read through Hebrews Write down a few words for each chapter. What does this chapter tell me about Jesus? And doing that has helped me with seeing what Hebrews means by 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So let's get into that now in a very simple way, taking those three things yesterday, today and forever. So first of all, Jesus Christ yesterday. Now, children, when I say Jesus Christ yesterday, I don't mean Jesus Christ on Saturday, the 21st of March. I mean Jesus Christ back in time, especially back when he was walking this earth. What does Hebrews tell us Jesus was like yesterday? I want to show you a few things that it tells us about Jesus yesterday. First of all, it tells us he was immensely powerful. If we start with Jesus walking this earth, a man with two legs, uh, we'll, we'll get things wrong. We need to start where Hebrews starts. So would you have a look at chapter one? Chapter one. Because it doesn't start with Jesus as a man walking this earth. It starts with his immense power. For example, verse three, Hebrews one, verse three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. That's where we need to start. Now, it has this word radiance. What do you think of when you hear the word radiance? I think of the sun and the radiance is its brilliant light that you see. And Hebrews is saying Jesus is like that with God's. He shows you the brilliant majesty and splendor and amazingness of God. He's the radiance of God. He's the display of God's glorious character. But this isn't just a load of words piled on about someone up there detached from us. Because what does it say next? Verse three. Sustaining all things by his powerful words. It's not just words about someone up there. It affects life down here. Sustaining all things. Now, children, again, why does the earth go round the sun? Well, you might know it's to do with gravity. The earth goes round the sun because of gravity. But what keeps gravity working? This mysterious thing we call gravity. What keeps that going? Jesus. That's what Hebrews 1 verse 3 says. Jesus. He keeps the earth going round the sun. He keeps the sun in its place in the Milky Way. He keeps your blood going round your body. He keeps the water going round the water cycle. All of it relies on Jesus. And Hebrews says, if you're going to understand him, you must start by trying to take in how great, how immensely powerful Jesus is. And it's then, it's not till then, that chapter two says, and he became a weak looking man. That's in chapter two. He became a weak looking man. There was a time 2000 years ago when you could go to a village in the Middle East and you could go onto a building site and you could see up a ladder hammering nails into roofing beams, a man. And he wouldn't look like someone out of a painting. He just looked like an ordinary builder. And he was the son of God become man. That's chapter two. And then chapter four takes it further and says, and he was even a man who was tempted. He experienced pressures to sin. He experienced troubles that he had to wrestle with. He experienced the weaknesses of being in a body, the sort of body that can catch coronavirus and other illnesses and suffer. 
And in fact, chapter 5 says he suffered. Children, do you ever cry? <laughs> I know some of you do, although you might not like to admit it. Do you ever cry the sort of crying where as well as tears coming down your face, people can hear you crying, maybe sobbing? Well, chapter 5, verse 7 says that Jesus had that sort of crying. Now, uh, children, don't get him wrong. Jesus never had bad-tempered, self-pitying, sinful sort of crying, which all of us have at some point. But he had crying because of pain and trouble and sadness. But Hebrews never shows him as someone to be pitied. It never shows. It doesn't say, now look at this poor crying man. I'm going to pull on your heartstrings now and try to get you to pity him. Never. It says he was doing this for his people. And it always shows him succeeding for his people. So, for example, chapter two, I've said, tells us Jesus became man. But it, it tells us he did this for his people. And he did it successfully for his people. So he could go to God the Father and say, here am I and the children you've given me. You gave me these children and I've done all that is needed for them. Chapter 2 tells us he was made low, but it says now he's crowned with glory and honour. Chapter 2 tells us he suffered, but through that suffering he's made perfect. I've said chapter 4 tells you he was tempted and experienced weakness. But in the verses surrounding it, it tells us he overcame that suffering. He never fell for any single temptation. And now he's in heaven successful. Chapter five, we've just heard, tells you about Jesus suffering and crying. But that sandwich between verses that tell you he is the perfect, strong, successful, complete high priest that you and I need. Jesus is never shown as someone to feel sorry for. Don't pity Jesus. He doesn't need your pity. He's always shown here as someone to admire, to be in awe of. And then Hebrews shows us Jesus doing this to deal with his people's sins. It keeps telling us he's done everything you need to deal with guilt, to free his people from their sins. To free them from their punishment. I'm going to read you a few verses. We'll move. We've been in chapters one, two, four and five. We'll jump on to chapter seven, verse 27. Chapter seven, verse 27. Unlike the other high priests, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First, for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. He's done everything needed for all time. Nothing to be added. Or chapter nine, verse 14. How much more then? how much more than all that Old Testament stuff? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Or some wonderful verses in chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 12. But when this high priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I hope you got with those verses. It's hard to listen to a load of verses being read. But I hope you got this. He has done all that is needed. It is complete because he is perfect. Think of it a little like this. Do you know who Chris Whitty is? He's that man who stands by Boris Johnson in the um, when he's talking to the press and the media. He's the chief medical officer. Now, do you want to know, is it good enough for you to know that Chris Whitty is a well-meaning person? Do you think I'm happy as long as Chris Whitty is a nice person? What I really want to know is that he's a nice person. No, you want much more than that. Be good if he's nice and well-meaning, but you want to know that he knows what he's doing. You want to know that he is competent. You want to know that he understands how to deal with coronavirus and he'll get it dealt with. Hebrews doesn't say that much about the love of Jesus. It is there, but the emphasis is on the competence of Jesus. That's an understatement. The perfection of Jesus That Jesus knows what he's doing and he has got it done. He's done everything needed to cure his people of something far worse than coronavirus. Coronavirus kills about one percent of those who get it. But sin kills one hundred percent of those who don't get it cured by Jesus. Hebrews is laying on time after time. He is exactly what you need. Well, that was Jesus Christ yesterday. Let's think now about Jesus Christ today. Hebrews is saying that's what Jesus Christ was like yesterday. And he's the same today. Now, if you do what I suggested and read through Hebrews and write down words about Jesus, what word do you think will come up most? Have any ideas what word will come up more than any other about Jesus? It will be the word priest. All we've heard about Jesus Christ yesterday has been saying this made Jesus the perfect priest. He's the perfect priest to deal with your sin, to represent you to God, to bring you into right relationship with God. And he's still your priest. If you're one of his people who's trusting him. He did all that was needed to make him the perfect priest. And he's still doing the job. Now, let's have a think about people still doing jobs. I wonder, what do you think of politicians? Children ever watch the news and see politicians? What do you think of politicians? I think generally politicians aren't respected enough. People are too cynical about politicians. Generally, they deserve more respect than they get. But sometimes someone does go into politics with good motives. They want to serve the people. They want to make a difference. But over time, they can lose sight of why they went in. It can become self-serving rather than serving others. I suppose the expenses scandal illustrated that. I have to admit that can be true of a minister in the church as well. But it is not true of Jesus. He hasn't lost sight of why he became a man. He hasn't lost sight of why he's still a man. 
Hebrews keeps telling us this. I'll give you three examples. Would you have a look at chapter two, verse 18? Chapter two, verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you notice it's Jesus yesterday? He himself suffered in the past and it's Jesus today. He is able to help. Because of what he was like yesterday, you can know that he's good enough for you today. You've got the same in chapter four, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Notice that's now, today. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's yesterday. Again, because of what Jesus was like yesterday, you can know he's exactly what you need today. Or chapter five, verse eight. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. That's yesterday. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. That's today. Well, and it's also tomorrow. Because of what he was like yesterday, you can know he's exactly what you need today. And we need that. Because whoever of us imagined at the start of 2020 that by March we wouldn't be able to meet. Circumstances have changed. So much has changed. But his love, his ability, his commitment to his people, his understanding of you personally, his sacrifice dealing fully with our sin, his memory of what it's like to be a human and the troubles of this life on this planet, his Perfect suitability to be our priest are all unchanged, never change. Now, if you're not a Christian, God says this is exactly the message you need. I don't know if you understand. This is this is the sort of message the Bible is. The Bible is not. Here's a system for you to trust. The Bible is not. Here's some things for you to do to make yourself right. The Bible is. Jesus is the person you need. Everything about him makes the same, makes him the saviour you need. You can rely on him. You need him. So will you trust him? We've had Jesus Christ yesterday and Jesus Christ today. Now we're going to end with Jesus Christ forever. Hebrews doesn't say so much about this because it takes it as obvious from all that's been said so far. It's already established that he's unchanging. He will always be the same. He isn't going to change his mind about his people. He isn't going to decide they're not worth the trouble. He isn't going to be hit by an unexpected problem like coronavirus and wonder what to do about it and let his people slip out of his grasp. Having done the hardest thing for his people gone to the cross for them when they were his enemies, out of relationship with God. He's never going to let them go now that they're his children in relationship with the father. Now, we've heard because of what Jesus was like yesterday, you can know and be confident in what he's like today. Then Hebrews says, because of what he's like today, he'll save you forever. 
I'll point you to one verse that shows us this. It's in chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And it's verse 27, if I remember rightly. No, sorry, it's verse 24. Hebrews 7, verse 24. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Notice it's based on what he is today, unchanging. He's forever living and he's forever representing his people and he's forever caring for his people. And so we can be confident Verse 25 says he'll save us completely. That word means right through to the end. It's a word for completeness in quality, but a word for completeness in time. It will never come to an end. Some of you might know an old fashioned translation was he will save to the uttermost. Never ending and never any gap in this salvation. Because of what Jesus did for you yesterday, you can know he's your priest today. Because he's your priest today, you can know he'll keep you safe forever. So the message is, Jesus Christ yesterday loved you and gave himself for you and did exactly what you need. Your sin is dealt with completely if you're safe in him. Jesus Christ today is caring for you and keeping you. And he's totally competent. What an understatement. And then Jesus Christ tomorrow, he'll be the same. A lot in our life might not be the same. What's tomorrow going to be like? Don't really know. It's unpredictable. What will be in the shops? When will the children be back to school? When will we meet? Will we be meeting here at Hollywell again? So much is unpredictable, but Jesus is predictable. Reliable. You can trust him with all your tomorrows. Because Jesus Christ is, get this fixed in your mind, this is the source of our stability and confidence. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's pray now. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus, that he is exactly what we need. And that will never change and he will never let us down. Please increase our faith. Please give us a settled, firm confidence in him. And Father, as we think about how we need and rely on him, we're aware that there are many people around us who are worried, who are anxious, and some who are dying. And they need him. Please help us and others to make him known. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.